Welcome to the Up The Cream Podcast 2022, episode 14. I'm Dan Tomlinson, joined as always by Rich Harrison, a.k.a. Pommy Rich. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well, mate. And you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, bit of a good, the bad and the ugly this weekend. Uh, all hell broke loose on Good Friday, but I'm not very religious to say the least, but I'll take an Easter re- resurrection and that's pretty much what it was on Monday. Uh, two nice. games of very contrasting emotions. To say the least, yeah. Um, and that was a great segue, mate. Fantastic. Um, crucified on uh, Good Friday and rose again on Easter Monday. How good's that? Um, yeah, very much so. I thought Good Friday, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into it in detail, but I thought Good Friday was again between two very, very poor sides. Um, played under a, a hostile atmosphere, um, but one side dealt with better than the other. Um, I think that was that was basically. It. I thought we were terrible, and they were pretty poor as well. Um, they just executed slightly, got five percent better than us. And then that Warrington game was a grind, and and good on them for grinding that out because that wouldn't have been easy. And, and some unlikely heroes as well, which is which is a really good thing. Um, and yeah, obviously we've got plenty to talk about because we've got injuries, we've got bans, we've got all sorts going on. So um, this next couple of weeks is going to be. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how we uh, we come out of that Easter period. Absolutely. It's never dull in Hull. It never is. Uh, there's always something to go at, isn't there? And there's always something happening. Um, must admit, I thought Good Friday was absolutely atrocious. And I never like to use those words when talking about Hull because I absolutely love Hull, as do you and as do most, pe- most of the people listening to this podcast. But they were, they were horrendous. And... It's funny because I had a couple of comments back um, on Selling Up the Cream on Sunday saying, Yeah, I love the podcast, but you're too critical. Then another one says, Oh, I love the podcast, but you're not critical enough. So you can, you know, there's never a happy medium, is there? But, uh, you, I think uh, you, can't, you can't please all the people all the time, can you? No, absolutely. And that's the range of opinions that we have at the club, and I can appreciate that. But I must admit, f- Good Friday for me was nothing short of horrendous. Mm. I just, the composure in Hull was pathetic. I mean, the, the fact that they were going side to side like headless chickens, there was no direction, they built no pressure. Going for the high-risk play all the time, it's just nothing came off, the errors kept coming, and then the second half, Rovers actually realised, hang on, if we actually hold the ball and complete our sets, we've got yeah. the measure of these because they're shite. 100%. And, and unfortunately, you, you we were. The right, you, you've got to earn the right to go lateral. Um, you can't go lateral without earning that right in the forwards. You've got to go forward first. You can't first, suddenly start you? going side to side. You can't. You just, not, not in the modern game, you can't do that. It's just, and, that's um, the thing that lines me up. It's such a simple game, rugby league. And if you've got to set that platform before you play, no matter what, what level you play at, whether it's amateur, whether it's you know League One, Championships, Super League, NRL, New South Wales Cup, whatever. No, 100%. 100%. And we, and we just didn't. Uh, and, you know, that's it's unusual for this whole time because we've, we've generally been very, very good in the forwards and, and gone over the top of things. Um, but, again, we came up against a team with an extremely speedy ruck. You know, we got cut to pieces. Our marker defence was passive. And, you know, our big forwards and our big, our big metre gainers were having to turn around and make 10 metres and turn around and make another 10 metres and turn around and take another 10 metres. And, and you're knackered by that time. And it was all because Purcell and Lytton cut us to pieces at the ruck. Um, and we had nothing to answer it by. And you can't fight fire with fire when you're going backwards. Um, you know, I've been fairly vocal about how I, I, I see that uh, Houghton, although you can never, you never bemoan his lack of, you never bemoan his, his work ethic. There's, there's certainly never a lack of, of, uh, of intention. Um, 
I've always thought that you know maybe times have changed a little bit, and, and you know a modern a modern hooker isn't just a a tackling machine anymore. And you know those first five ten minutes, he made a couple of really nice breaks, and it took Rovers by surprise because they weren't expecting it because obviously they'd done the the work on him, and they weren't expecting him to do that because he hasn't done it in a long long time, and he, he looked pretty good. Problem was because our forwards didn't fire he couldn't do it anymore and he had to revert to being the tackling machine and the, and the distributor where he's only bringing you know two thirds of his expertise because he can scoot and he scoots well um, we were just slow slow from acting half slow um, going forwards like you say we were passing sideways going for miracle plays because nothing was coming off we didn't do the hard yards we made some stupid unforced errors the worst game I've seen Reynolds play um, I thought Reynolds was, was abject and I'll say that I think he was awful Gill wasn't much better I've got to say Abdul wasn't much better for them either the amount of ball he dropped and the wrong options he took We'd have come up against a team with halfbacks. We could have get we could have got beaten thirty or forty points because they were no great shakes. They really weren't. It's just they they completed better than us. They executed five percent more than us, and they were good value for the win. We came up against a team that wanted it more. That's what it looked like, and and that is unusual for a Hodgson um, coached Hull FC team to come up against a team that looked like they wanted more. It is. It's not something we've seen this season. You know, very often. No. One thing you can say about all is the fight has been there, the effort has been there, the endeavour has been there. So sometimes a little bit of composure, a little bit of nous, a little bit of smarts has, has been lacking there. And I agree with most of that. The hooking problems at UFC are well documented and it's been a problem for a good two, two and a half years now. But I must admit, it was the halfbacks that really wound me up because oh, it, it was them. You can't lay that one at Hampton's door. No, 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 absolutely not. My point was that we came up against a team that were just far faster than us. Oh, no, no, I agree, I agree. That's not, yeah. And that's not Danny Houghton's fault. No, it's not, no. They, they, they've just got to, yeah, that's the thing, Matt Parcell, he's a, he's a very good rugby league player, and you know, I've always yeah. said the same with Jez Litton, and I like Jez when he was at Hull, I was a bit pissed off yeah. when he left Hull, and to be honest, I still am, but unfortunately yeah. that's, the, that's the way it is sometimes. Sometimes they lose players. We both and, said at the time, we both said at the time it would come back and bite us, and it certainly did. Well, it will, Friday. it will do for the next 10 years, unfortunately. Um but yeah, it, it was the halves that really pissed me off. Um, just the lack of composure that they showed, and and you could throw Jake Connor in there too because he yeah. he was the only one actually trying something. But just passes that weight on, and sometimes you have got to compose yourself and and go for the boring option. And yeah, it might be tedious sometimes, but sometimes that's what the league's all about. It's just that repetitive process where you're going set for set and you're finishing in the corners and you're putting your side under pressure, opposition under pressure, and. And getting into that grand, and it's not appealing, don't get me wrong, it doesn't sell tickets and it doesn't appease fans on Facebook, but that's the reality of it sometimes, and that's what you've got to do, and Hull didn't do any of that at Rovers, and, and it really, 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 really did get under my skin. Um, just the lack of composure, and you can say that word a million times, it was just, it was infuriating, and, and the longer the game went on, the more Hull panicked, they just, you know, they just, start, just threw the ball about when it wasn't on like a hot potato, you know, like you say, going lateral, there was no that di- no direction about them, there was no go forward about them, and I just think Rovers are, are the measurable completely, and it's not the first time it's happened, it's it's frustrating at their place, I mean, the only good consolation is, and I never usually like doing this, but two minutes to go, I was down at the side, um, where that blue elephant stand is next to the Roger Millwood bit, 30 seconds to go, I'm straight out, five minutes later, I'm at the car, I didn't see one Rovers fan, it was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> You did the walk. I did the and walk, yeah, and I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed to say so because there's nothing worse than being in that end and when they're all goading past you and walking out the ground and trying to wind you up yeah. and 
you know, I can't stand them, that's all I'll say though, because I don't want to get us in trouble, but uh, yeah, it was very disappointing, um, I thought Jack Brown came out with some credit uh, on Good Friday, I thought he was outstanding, you know, 21 year old prop and he was the left league's best player on the pitch. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah, he was great, yeah, you're right, you're right, and, and you know, we've, <clears throat> we, we've, we've unearthed the talent there, I think, um, he, he still doesn't look big enough to me, but... Um, I think that the, the issue is that he, he kind of he runs above his weight, doesn't he? It's, it's the mobility um, thing, mate. It's the same with Brad yes, Fash, isn't it? Yeah, he's, people have said that yeah, for Brad Fash for six yeah, years. Exactly. But it's the mobility. The way the game's going, it's it's all about the whippersnappers now, isn't it? Those little you know those little forwards that can run. Don't get me wrong, there's still a place for the big belt, big fella, and we've had uh, you know plenty of rants about that, and that's why we all love Chris Satay and Liggy Sal. But there's room, for, you know, there's scope in rugby league now for these, you know, these smaller but these more mobile forwards. I think we did see that with uh, Rovers. It's something Elliot Minicello alluded to in that um, little Sky preview yeah. thing that they did yeah, at St Paul's yeah. Boxing. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And yeah. it's right. It's, yeah. There's definitely yeah. place for speed these days. Um, but yeah, Brown was excellent. Um, I must admit, I, I didn't actually comment on uh, Josh Reynolds when you mentioned it. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's funny because. One of a uh, bloke who walks past when again when I sell up the cream, he said to me on Monday, I think we're the only two people that are still in the Josh Reynolds fan club. And I said to him, not after Friday, mate. That's the first time I've turned on him. Probably long overdue, yeah. to be honest. Um, I've sort of given him the benefit of the doubt and the fact that when he first came here, you know, he's that direct runner of the ball and he was enthusiastic. He played with loads of energy and he sort of pushed with us. And, and as we've gone away from that direct approach, we haven't seen the best of him. And it's it's not out with when he obviously got COVID and had a few injuries, but you know, he's on big one, he. And it's, I don't think it's excessive for us as fans to demand more than what we saw on Friday. I thought it was, it was, a, it was like a headless chicken. Yeah, yeah. And, and the one thing you know about Reynolds is he's not an organising halfback. He's a running 5'8". He's a, he's a running standoff. That's what he is. That's what he's always been. That's when he's at his best. Do you know? Um, the problem is that, you know, you can, you can have all bags of enthusiasm and everything, but when you've got him belting through on the shoulder of someone making a break there's there's nobody finer but he's getting on he's 33 he's lost a yard of pace um and you know he's still as enthusiastic as he's ever as he ever was but I think his body's letting him down and when we've, we're in a game like that against Rovers which is form goes out the window for in a, in a game like that you could see I mean that was that was a hectic 100k an hour absolutely stupid game of rugby league right you show that to anyone in the NRL anyone who supports an NRL team they'll go what the hell is this this is this is not the way we play rugby league it's not the way rugby league's played more it's really not the way rugby league's played anywhere else in the super league a derby game goes absolutely crackers and he didn't cope with it he just didn't cope with it at all he didn't cope with the 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 emotion of the situation he didn't cope with the cauldron and noise coming from rovers he didn't cope with the style of play. Um, he got caught up in, like you said, going laterally, trying to throw a miracle pass, same as Connor did. We, we literally got sucker punched. We really did. And Reynolds was a, a big part of that. So, like I said, the worst game I've seen him play. Um, there, there's, a, there's an argument for even bringing him on to spell Houghton at, um, at Hooker, because he's played a lot of Hooker in his, in his career. Um he played a lot of hooker for the for the Bulldogs and a little bit of hooker at, um, at the Tigers as well. There's an argument for him to do that. Um, but while he's playing like that, and I mean, with we will get to it, but with Gale now being suspended and with McNamara still injured, 
he may well get an extended run in the first time and he needs to be better than he was on Friday. He's going to have to step it up. Um, as, yeah. as a few obviously elsewhere do as well. That Some of them did that on, on Monday. But yeah, the old derby, to sum that up, it was just a battle of the brain dead. So... Well, yeah. Poor sides yeah. on the day. Two sides that are a lot better than that as well. They want a good advert for what is one of Super League's you know biggest and best fixtures of the season. I thought the standard of it was absolutely horrific. If I'm being honest, and it was a horrendous whole performance again. And Rovers were just slightly better. It's as simple as that for me. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We we were poor across the park. Um, like you say, when you look at it, and you can only you can only say maybe three or four players came out of it with any credit at all. Um, we were poor across the park. Absolutely. Um, tough feast the weekend, obviously. We all know the players complain about it every year, mm. having to back mm. up, having played Thursday or Friday, and you know, come to Monday, they're going round again. and it, It's tough, and sometimes you can say the quality of the Easter Monday fixtures dilutes a little bit, but to be honest, I thought Hull and Warrington went away from that. I thought they both had a go at each other. The game was reasonably yes. fast. Yeah. It was quick. Don't get me wrong, there was a yeah. few errors and you could see in that middle uh, period of the game, just after half-time, up until about 60-65. You know, there was a bit of fatigue that set in there and it's understandable, but you know, it was a good game and, and credit to Wolves. They did everything that they didn't do on Friday and shock horror, they ended up getting the result. Exactly, yeah. And and, and some, un, you know, some, some unsung heroes there as well, which, which was always, which is nice to see. You know, when a player gets... Um, a player that you're not expecting to be the hero is the hero like Manu Mau, who was it was phenomenal on the day and scored a great try. Um, you know, I thought that was, albeit coming from a low base, it Kane Evans' best best match for us. Played more minutes, did more tackling, made more meters. He's not fantastic, but that's the best game he's played for us. Benefit so of the doubt in it. I've got to remember what Chris Sato was like when he first came over, and people were turning on after six months. Yes. Exactly. I'm, I'm prepared um, to give him the benefit of the doubt for now, Kane Evans. Look, he was he was all right. He was okay. He made meters when he came on. He bent the line. <clears throat> he, um, he he hit hard in the tackle, and we got penalised once, but he did hit hard in the tackle, and um, and, and did plenty of, of defensive work, and seemed to hold up to it physically. Which you know, the first couple of games you've looked and you've thought, Jesus, you're blowing after five minutes. He just doesn't look fit. But. Um, yeah, he looked he looked better. I thought on Monday, and again, you know, Fash. Oh, where did that come from? I mean, obviously, what's happened on Good Friday with this allegation has just got into his head, and he's thought, "I'm going to be banned for a while. I'm just going to go out and lay everything on the line." He's getting he better and better. That ball, brilliant. He was brilliant there. He, he, he carries the ball with purpose. He bends the line when he tackles. He hits hard, and he's clean as well. He very rarely gets gets penalised. Um, yeah, he was everywhere on that time. He, he, on, on that pitch, he was he was very, very, very good on, on Easter Monday. Very good. Absolutely, and it, it's similar to Manuel Mao, you know. The, 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 the players in what I'm saying now are similar. They're, they're both error free. They both do a yeah. lot of unnoticed work, and they're both dependable. Yeah. And while we're tearing our hair out, our dancing fairies, you know, with high risk players, and sometimes they come off and it's great, and sometimes they don't, and we all tear our hair out again. People like Manuel Mao, people like Brad Fasher, going going along the work, you know, going about the business. They're not doing anything wrong. They're dependable. They play the percentages. They have an impact. They they're two people that do go forward all the time. That's you know you won't get them to run side to side. You know they yeah. they're doing it you know, one way, and that's that's the type of players you need in your side. You need those reliable players, and and Brad Fasher is exactly that. He's getting better and better and better. And the thing is, with he's hull hull through and through. Absolutely mm. breathes. You know, for FC, he's probably been at the club for. 
half his life now, you know, through the academy ranks and in the reserves. Yes. A couple of, yeah. obviously, loan spells he had away from the club. And he's, he's every much the first team player now. In fact, he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet, whether it is, you know, starting at Lusman or coming off the bench. A phenomenal player for the club right now. And he, he, he's, he optimises everything that the club are trying to do right now with the youth direction. And we forget that Brad Fash is actually 26 years old now. So he's probably, you know, that yeah. step up is probably what we should come to expect from a bloke that age now. But we've we've seen it, and I think his yeah. performances in week in week out now are absolutely faultless, which is probably a dangerous yeah. thing to say got, with the charge. Yeah, he's got another, dead right. You know, he's, he's got another six or seven years at the very top as well. Absolutely. You know, if, he, if, he, yeah. if he keeps if he keeps fit, and you know, he, two or three years ago, he'd have been one that had gone. I would I'd have been on the fence about keeping. But, you know, at the moment, he's one of the first names on the team show. Well, it was a squad really player, is. wasn't he? That's what it was. Um, up until yeah. two years yeah. ago, he was a squad player. But he's forced his way into that 17 now. He's in that 17 every week going forward. Um, I don't think you can yeah. leave him out. Yeah. That's credit to him. Well, but... yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that shows that there's a pathway for these young players as well. Because we've yeah. been very noisy at the club. I'm not talking me and you, even though we have. <laughs> the club have been very noisy <laughs> about the youth the youth direction and, and, and if the youth can, player can see this he said right Brad Fash he's played 120 games for LFC now you know he's he's a first team regular this could be me in five years you look at Jack Brown now ever present this season you know you've had Ben McNamara get a run of games you've had Connor Wynn coming in and out never letting us down so there's a, there's a direction there there's a pathway for him there's something to aspire to the nice, the nice thing I thought about Easter Monday was, yeah, it, it kind of answered a lot of the critics for for Good Friday, which you know, Good Friday won't be forgotten in a long time. And when Rovers come to our place later in the season, we've got to hand their asses to them on a plate for that because because that was abject. But the nice thing about Easter Monday is Jordan Johnston coming into that team, mate. Danny's having a rest, or we've dropped Danny, or we've you know we're giving him a rest, or he's got a niggle or whatever. You're the starting nine. Go out there and make it your own. And he gave his best performance in the whole show. Enjoyed himself, didn't he? He absolutely did. And we were quicker, and we were direct, and we were and we were we were better around the rock. We were still poor on Monday, but we beat a Paul Warrington side as well. You can only play what's in front of you. Uh, but we 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 did, and we beat them. Jordan Johnson was good. Brad Fash was great. Jack Brown was great. You know, Connor Wynn, before he went off, looked the part, didn't he? He did. Lovadour and Gill did okay in the halves. Shaw was all right on the wing. You know, plenty of metres from James Shaw, even though there's still an error, an error in him. He did okay on the wing. Connor did okay at fullback. McIntosh bounced back, I thought, from a poor game against Rovers. I thought he was okay. Um, that's going to get into your head when you drop a ball backwards and the referee gives it as a bloody knock-on, which was a disgrace in the Rovers game, which turned the tide, actually. Um, Ken Evans had his best game in a, in a whole shirt. Satai looked something like back to his best. Sow was brilliant again. Bowden looked good in patches. Manu Mau was great. You, you know, there's not a lot to fault. And, you know, at the end of the day, start of the season, me and you said we thought it would be sixth or seventh. Sitting here after Easter Monday, we're still fifth. Mm. No, yeah. exactly. Ticking all right. I think satisfactory start is still the word. Um, yeah. Content. You know, I'm not prepared to read the riot act dark, say, well, you know, this and that or anything like that, or, or you know, blow smoke up their ass. You know, I think mm. we've got to be level-headed and we've got to be realistic and obviously accept where we are as a club right now. I think I say that pretty much every week now, both in print and on this podcast. But, you know, Hull got into the ground on Monday and it's like, I mean, you've just wrote a perfect blog. I'm not going to give it away. You can read it at the Catalans game to those who are listening when you read by the mag. But it's literally all about everything we, that we did do on Friday that we need to that we need to carry on from the Monday game. Composure and, I thought, and panic. Exactly, yeah. composure and no panic. And, and Hull didn't panic against Warrington. They got into that ground. They did 
go set for set. The thing is, they were prepared to be patient as well and actually do that, and they never backed down from those processes. Thought they continued to put Warrington under pressure, finishing in the corners. It was a great example where Connor had the ball at shot wide. He just he threw the pass out to Jamie Shaw. He ended up getting tackled, but it was only it was two yards away from the Warrington line. They ended up you know turning the ball over on the first on the first dash about ten meters in from touch, and that's where Warrington started the set. I can live with that because it means they've got to come out. You can hunt the mistake. You can get your defense fired up. And go from there, and and, and that's how Hull won the game because it came from exactly those processes. It came from turning the ball over in the right areas, getting that defence enthusiastic, getting that line up, getting that you know that that speed, that aggression. They forced the error from the young wire fullback. They got a set restart. Manuel Mal crashes over. So there you go. They're, they're, that's it in blueprint. And don't get me wrong, Hull weren't perfect, and it won't you know a complete. Uh, crisp clean performance but yep. I don't think you're going to get that on Easter Monday for a start I, I was satisfied with what I saw it's just it was just nice to see everything that we tore our hair out on Friday you know come to the fore on the Monday it actually be, be changed yeah they'll obviously listen to the coach which is which is a good thing I didn't even mind there was a, there was a period right at the end of the game where we were all set up to go left and Warrington's defence was crabbing left and we turned the ball back inside on the fifth tackle to Liggy Sauer up the middle do you remember that play? yeah yeah and everyone kind of went, oh. Yeah, there was a few know. angry people there. Uh, <laughs> well, me, sound. actually. Yeah, that's what it is, though. Right. It's percentages, isn't it? It's just, yeah, but that's the thing, right? That was completely unexpected. Everyone was going left. All of their defence was going left. Liggy Sow would have been half a metre to his right. He wouldn't have had his ankle tapped. Because, you know, literally the guy got him by his ankle. Mm. Um, he would have been right through that gap and there was a yawning gap there the, the, the fullback was going at pace to his right, our left there was a yawning gap there and it was the right play even though it didn't come off it was the right play because the ball would have ended up going into touch or would have ended up you know, pretty close to the, to the corner flag and probably not getting a try low percentage still low percentage play to pass it to Liggy Sow on the inside but at least we're trying something if not a miracle play and, and a Hail Mary pass like we have been doing. Something that's a little bit tricksy, um, which was, I, I, I didn't mind that. Even though it didn't come off, I didn't mind it. We'll get on to the NRL later. But at one stage, at the Tigers-Eels match, which was an incredible game, at one stage, the Eels got a, 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 um, a scrum on their own 20. And the Tigers pushed in the scrum and pushed them off the ball and won the ball against the head. How often do you say that? Yeah, right. Because they've just tried something different and tried something, you know, and just gone, do you know what, now's the time to pull something out rather than trying that every play, which is what we were doing against Rovers because we were we were panicked into doing it. There was, there was no, there was no, um, you know, um, there, there was no steady head. There, there was no, there was nobody thinking, let's not do that. Let's do something different. You know, it was, it was wrong. If you look at, you remember that trick play we used to do that used to come off time and time again. It came off in the twenty nil and you screwed it up. Um, Rovers game a few years ago, where we get a penalty just in from touch and Houghton feigns to go left and then pops it back on the inside to whoever's um, whoever's um, uh, on his on his right hand side, which on that play was was Fenua. We haven't done that play now for three seasons, and it worked five times out of six. I reckon, you know, something like that coming back, I'd be supportive of rather than giving the ball to Connor and expecting him to perform a miracle time after time after time, because the pressure on Connor at the moment to keep up what was an insanely high standard for about three weeks, he hit his absolute straps for three weeks, the pressure on him to keep that standard up 
must be immense and he must be feeling it you know we need to get back to the basics and get back to get back to structure and get back to structured play and a structured set play and a structured a structured special move rather than giving it to probably the most naturally um, talented bloke in the team and expecting him to wake miracles time after time play after play which isn't going to work I think it's it's about finding the middle ground isn't it yeah it is yeah it's exactly right yeah and, and again, you earn the right to be tricksy. You can't be tricksy in your own twenty. You know, you can't be tricksy when your forwards are knackered because because they're getting bashed up down the middle. You know, you, you earn the right to put on a special player, which is what we did at Leeds. You know, we battered him into submission. Chris Satay made more meters with a gl- with blokes on his back than any of their pack did without people on their back. Chris Satay made more metres in that game than the entire Leeds pack put together. Mm. We earned the right for Connor to be Trixie. And he was mercurial. He was amazing. But you can't expect him to be like that against Rovers when we're getting our backs turned and we're getting cut to pieces at the Rook. You can't, because he's got no platform to work from. So I said to you last week, that's why Albert Kelly looked abject in a whole Kingston Rovers team where the pack was retreating but looked like a well beater behind our pack which at the time was going forwards you can only be as good as your pack let you be no that, that's true that's true but again obviously there's onus, onus on your creative players there to actually realise that it, sometimes it is just about building pressure and not going for that Hail Mary, Hail Mary pass exactly. all the time kick it to the corner make exactly. them come back yeah, on kick it yeah. into the corner and we didn't do that at Rovers you know turning the ball no over 20 out, 30 out at Warrington. I see, we, we went the other way, which was, was pleasing to see. But again, it it wasn't perfect. And after a win, I suppose you're nitpicking here. But I look at the manner of the three Warrington tries. And the first one, the tap penalty, what's the first thing you're taught under sixes? Never oh. turn your bleeding back, especially with a fast fucker like Daryl Clark. And what do we do? I think we're still I don't know, trying to single out someone in the crowd in the south stand or looking at the screen or hands on hips and whatever. But they didn't turn and face and they got done. Second try, you know, I'll give Macintosh some stick because they put sorry, some slack, sorry, not some stick because the ball went up and the sun was ridiculous. Third try came off a, the set after a missed drop goal attempt from Luke Gale. Um, so, yeah, the manner of the tries were disappointing that we conceded. But what impressed me was that when, when Warrington did take the lead for the first time, 16 12, Hull never panicked. Never. Even when, see, when they forced that error. It didn't quite come off for the first four or five players. Then they got the set restart. They still didn't panic, and eventually, you know, they went bang, bang, bang. Saturday nearly went over. Then Johnston puts Mao over for what, you know what is the winning try. So that composure, that patience, that no panic mode, that that aspect was really pleasing. But I just thought, you know, nitpicking the way we did concede the tries was a bit disappointing. And it's interesting we mentioned referee decisions with McIntosh at Rovers because that was disgusting. You know, that that, yeah. that that call was was horrific, and they did score off that resulting set as well. But then. You sort of look at the winning try. I mean, it, it went. I mean, if that don't go up as a try, it don't get given, does it? The fact that Kendall sent it up as a try meant that you know they want inclusive evidence to overturn it. It'd be interesting to see what would have happened and what the reaction from the home crowd would have been if it was on you know the other way around. I probably would have gone mental, but it is what it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Sometimes you don't get the rub of the green like at Rovers, and then here we we are very fortunate to get you know something that goes our way. And I think all deserve that, you know. I don't, I don't. We definitely didn't deserve to lose the game against Warrington. So it was just just reward really for for their efforts on on the day. Obviously dubious, not blinking enough not to say that, but. You know, credit to Mal. He made a made sure that he celebrated and got up and went, yeah, 
yep, Chris, I've scored this, yep, you're, you know, you'll better send this up as a try. Whereas I think if you don't have that celebration, maybe Chris Kendall thinks, oh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm not so sure, maybe oh, I'll, I'll go no absolutely. try. Absolutely, he certainly played his part in, in, um, in, in not milking it, but, but um, trying to persuade the ref that, he, that he'd done the right thing, I think. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a, a I don't think that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, You've got to con yeah. the ref and see what you can get away with. That's what we're doing it as, as every rugby league player. You push what you can to the extreme. If you can get away with something, do it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I think you're right. You, you kind of have to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to yeah, obviously fight your own corner, haven't you? Um, but yeah, I say nitpicking there, absolutely. But you know, overall, a, a very gritty a gritty win, full of you know, effort, endeavour, determination. Really pleasing to get over the line and... And if you like, that's a third of the way through the Super League season. Now 27 rounds, we're nine in, we've won five, we've lost four, we're sat in fifth place. Obviously the tide can turn quick now because there's obviously Rovers who have exactly the same record as us. There's Warrington and Cass just behind. So yeah, it can easily turn and a couple of defeats and you know, a couple more defeats, you're looking down and you're thinking, oh Christ, you're looking up again, aren't you? So, but you never know, if we've all got two games at home coming up now, it, it's just about sticking at it week in, week out. And like you say, effort hasn't been a problem this year, so... I'm still yeah, content yeah. with what I've seen. I think there's still more to come from the FC. There's definitely areas that we could tighten up, areas that we could improve. And obviously, there's still some limitations within this side. Opinions don't change whether we win, lose or draw. I think we have actually been pretty consistent in what we've been saying and the direction we want all to go in. But yeah, overall, if you're going to sum the first nine games of the season, you know, the first third of the year, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence. I mean, I'm pretty happy with what I've seen. You know, we've... Uh, had a couple of really good results. We've had a couple of really poor results. I think that's how this season was always going to go. Yeah, yeah, and I know, and I know that will upset people because I think there's still that kind. Of, we are a sleeping giant. We're a huge club that that should be doing better. Simple as. But this season, when we know that you know we we started the season trying to offload some players that are still playing for us, um, and we've started the season with a, a, a couple of people that you might even look at and go, well, you're probably surplus to requirements any other year. Um, you know, and, and then like someone like Jordan Johnson comes out and, and does that on the, on the weekend, you know, it, it's, it's not bad. We're, we're doing okay. Um, fifth, but at this time of the year is, is better than I was expecting us to be. You know, there's, we've had some very, very, very good results and we've had a couple of absolutely terrible ones. Um, <laughs> welcome to the roller coaster that has been Hull FC fan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, following Hull FC is easy, but being emotionally attached to him is a frigging nightmare. Always has been, always yeah, will exactly. be. Yeah. If we're going on areas to improve, it's one word for me: temperament. That's that's got to yeah. be the focus going forward now. And I'm, I'd be quite happy to see more performances like what we saw on Monday going forward. If it. It's not necessarily flashy and it will bore some people to tears and there'll be people mourning saying, oh, where's the creativity, blah, blah, blah. But if that's what we get where we remain composed and you know just show a bit of nous and a bit of patience and no panic and, and get results because that's the most important thing, results, then I'm all right with that going forward because that's what Catalans will do on Sunday. That's what they've done all season and they're seven from nine. So there you go. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's, that's not an easy game, that one coming up. It really isn't. No, it's not. It's going to be tough. Uh, two French sides coming up now. I'm quite looking forward to seeing how we go. Obviously, Toulouse is obviously in a fortnight. His new opposition. We've never played them before because obviously we didn't have the misfortune of being in the middle eights back in the day, unlike other people. So, 
that, that, you know, that's a good thing, looking forward to that. But yeah, one thing that's really, really pleasing with Hull FC right now, and this is something that I will shout and you know have a little sing and dance dance about, is uh, the youth direction at the club right now and 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 the four players in particular, Brad Fast, Jordan Lane, Jack Brown and Connor Wynn, I thought all four of them were absolutely magnificent on Monday, I really did. And and they have been all season when they've come into the side. There was a really good point that uh Dama is well known on Twitter. Uh, he made made to me uh, on the weekend about uh, Connor Wynn, the fact that he comes into the side, he has a few games out, comes back in again, yet that performance level never drops. And when you don't get that continuity, it's very hard to dull that. And I think it deserves a lot of plaudits for being able to come in and, and never let that performance level drop. So, yeah, cheers for that, Dan. Uh, just give me the invoice at the weekend and we'll sort it out. But, it, you know, it is it absolutely bang on. We've got some very good young players at this club right now. I think Jack Brown is, is actually class. And I, I, I don't even feel bold in saying that. He's 21 years old and he's class. He's going to get better and better and better. It's actually frightening to think how good he could be. Same with Brad Fash. You know, 26, he's knocking on a bit now. He's getting on. He's, he's getting better and better. Jordan Lane is... He's fantastic, you know, he's the young player of the year a couple of yep. years ago. He deserves it, you know, he's brilliant. And I say we've got we've got more in the ranks, haven't we? Ben McNamara was decent in his spell. We've got Cam Scott, everyone's forgot about. He started the year so perfectly. Cam Cam Scott was was honestly the best player at the club for the first probably five rounds. That Salford really, that first half against really Salford, lovely. it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and then look what happened. Yeah. Paul Bagger. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's an horrible injury that when you think of the run, the extended run he could have had with obviously problems with Carlos to have this year, Josh Griffin not being hundred percent right. It's yeah, it's sod's law, but it's an opportunity for definitely your wins of this well to take it. And I, I was just say that though, he bloody failed his HI on on Monday, didn't he? So he can't play on Sunday, so it's, it's frustrating. But yeah. but yeah, that that youth direction is so pleasing with the club right now. It's absolutely the right right way to go, and it's something we've you know obviously been very vocal about for eighteen months now. Yeah. And, it, in the blueprints there, we always talk about the Storm, we talk about Penrith Panthers over here in the UK, we talk about St. Helens and we talk about Wigan, even Leeds Rhinos, yep. like, you know, I can't stand Leeds, and I think the fact that they're in a relegation battle with Toulouse is nothing short of absolutely hilarious, but their golden area was based, wasn't it, on a, on a core of young core uh, academy-produced yeah, players in Sinfield, Borough and Maguire, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all, all coming through at the same time. see it with St. Helens, we've seen it with Wigan. Yeah, you're right, and and you know beyond the the people we're talking about as well, that that next level coming up as well. Um, the, the young lad we got from from Warrington, Denise Barnforth, um, from what I've seen him, you know, in, in some great footage on on of the the youth teams that you see, you know, one camera and everything, he looks dynamic and quick. Um, also, Nick Stavely that we got from Warrington as well looks looks bloody handy. Mm. We we got some we got some good. Um, we got some good prospects coming through. We're just going to make sure we we uh, we develop them, and that you know, because there's a there's a big drop off, you know, isn't there from from people coming through pathways and coming through junior teams. You know, maybe maybe one in twenty make it. You know, properly make it. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it, it's a it's a big ask for these lads to actually step up to a professional a professional. Um, um, standpoint, you know, a lot of them will, will never make it. You know, me and you have seen them come and go through the years. You know, I remember everyone talking about Harry Tyson Wilson, how he was going to be the greatest halfback we ever had, and all the rest of it. And, and you know, just he just never quite got there, did he? He just never made it. Um, and there are others that you know, there's a list as long as your arm. It'd just be be really pleasing if we actually did get that once in a generation. Um, you know, kind of crop all come through at the same time because then they've been together since they were 15 years old. They'll live and die for each other. 
you know, like like Leeds did, like you know, Maguire and 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 um, and Sinfield and Burrow and and you know, Jamie Jones, Buchanan, and, and, and all of them just would absolutely die for each other because they've known each other since they were kids, and, mm. and that that creates a really special bond. You've only got to look at that Penrith Panthers team in the NRL. You know, they're all they're all from the same junior clubs. They've all been playing together for years and years and years. They know each other's games inside out. It's Definitely almost like they're telepathic. Mm. It's like the telepathic, mate. They know what each each other are going to do, and it's you know it, it's it's great to see, and that's what you got to hope we, we we get to. And the fact that we're we're putting all this money into youth, and we've got these youth pathways clinics up and down the country and you know the three lads that went on uh, on loan to Whitehaven and had a great game of playing for Whitehaven at the weekend as well that's really good to see that we're, we're getting them we're getting them real first grade experience in front of a crowd rather than playing in front of two men and a dog for the reserves you know? well absolutely there's a clip as well doing the rounds on social media from Premier Sports of Davey yeah, yeah. Davey Litty, Davey Litty and, uh, stopping a 40-20 and the athleticism was really pleasing but the actual Nous and the actual intelligence in reading the game yeah, and the ability to actually do that, yeah, awareness exactly, it was really good. I mean, forget he's eighteen years old and he's got that in his locker already. It's exciting, you know. He's quick. Yeah. He's good coming into the line. It's, you know, he's got a bit of size about him as well. He's not just a you know young kid. He's quite tall. He's you know as I say a bit of bit of punch there. So yeah, I'm excited to see what these young kids can do in the future for all. But obviously, it's about patience. It's about persevering with them as well. Um, you know, we see, how many times have we seen people say, oh, Cam Scott is not good enough? How many times five years ago were people saying, Brad Fass, he's not good enough? You know, I probably had a point, you know, when we going back to 2018 and was losing all the time, we had people like Massimo Tongo, Jansen Sergi, Jack Downs, Jack Logan, you know, playing on that side, Jordan Abdul. Probably thought, you know, we're, we're you know, getting stifled in development. You think, you know, like, why haven't they kicked on yet? But and I think we cannot, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? That, that lack of patience sometimes. And you look at some of them now, you look at Brad Fash. You know, look at Jez Litton across the river. You know, these are outstanding young players, aren't they? And it's good to see Hull actually, you know, Hull as a city, I'm not talking Hull and Rovers, Hull as an actual, you know, community game, producing those players again. It's exciting. And the four that yeah. we singled out there, you're Fash Lane, you're winning, you're Brown. Dare I say that they could be the best four we've had since Paul Cook, Richard Orn, Paul King and Kurt Eamon came through 20 years ago. I mean, that's the level I think they could generally get to. Um, yeah, yeah. Connor Wynn is actually outstanding. I don't think we realise how good he is. Yeah, and I think I think Conwin Conwin kind of I think he, he's, his reputation suffers a little bit because he's been around for so long. You know, he was. I mean, he played in that great that great derby game, didn't he? When you know, when we absolutely put him to the sword and, and um, Jack Logan scored the hat trick. He, he yeah. played played in that game and won and, and scored, didn't he? He did, yeah. Um, and, but you know, you look at that. That's three years ago, two three years ago, and he played the season before that, I think, as well. So he's been around a while as Conwin, but he's never had an extended run in the first team now. Like him and Cam Scott coming through at the same time, the, the potential is for them to be whole centre partnership for years to come. It really is because you know Carlos is thirty one, um, Griffin's what thirty two, thirty three, and, and coming back off a, off a horrendous um, injury, and will probably end up at the second row at some point in his career. Um, you know the, the potential is that we don't have to go out and sign a name player and pay him big money and all the rest of it when we've got these players playing week in week out for us and we can we can bring them through gently it's it's exciting um but we just got to make sure that that you know if if someone isn't good enough we don't keep hold of them just because they are local you no know, that, that's important just because they've got a hl3 yeah. postcode or hl4 you know whatever yeah uh yeah but i think the, the key thing there is definitely patience and persevering with them and not not getting on the back i think i don't think there's all fans mm. out there that 
have got a bad way to say about Brad Fash these days because how can you? And I think it's the same with Lane, it's the same with Wayne Brown. You know, I've been, I think there's been a couple of tough learning curves with Ben McNamara. You know, he got run over twice at Castleford, didn't he? I pointed that out, and apparently that equates to me having a, having a pop at him, just for pointing out facts. But, you know, if you're having a pop at Jake Connor for defence, then we've got to mention the fact that when someone gets steamrolled twice, haven't you? But, you know, there's a good player and there. Did, and, and he did, and it didn't look good. It didn't. But I'll tell you what, mate. Yeah. One word I'd singled out then for areas of improvement as whole as a collective unit was temperament. Ben McNamara yeah. has probably got the best temperament of the club. He's safe and he's usually error free. And he's, no, no, he's, and he's a teenager yeah. still. You know, it's to say he can't kick on. He's only played, you know, twenty odd first team games for the club. So yeah, it's exciting. And yeah, the young, young crop, the rising stars programs. Your, your Davy Littons, you know, your Nick Stavelys, your Marcus Walkers. You know, it'd be exciting to see how they develop. Jacob Hookham as well. Obviously, yeah. not all of them are going to make it and be mainstays of the side. That's the reality of it. But you'd like to think. You know, some of them will be, some of them, and if we can get a core of six or seven that are exactly that, you're halfway there. It means you can complement the rest of your squad with decent signings elsewhere and, and obviously import some overseas. 100%. And, you know, we were talking about that, that great Leeds team um, with all those kids coming through. There were plenty of those kids that didn't make it. You know, there were plenty of kids that were in that same youth team as, as those lads that, that didn't make it. And at the time, I was running a pub in Leeds, and, and, you know, I used to kind of, I used to kind of hang around with. Uh, a guy who actually uh, he's probably he's probably well known to a few people that listen to this podcast. A guy called Paul Kilbride, who's who's in a wheelchair. Paul uh, he broke his neck playing for Milford when he was fourteen, and because um, he he was with um, like Gavin Brown, who played for Leeds for a while and ended up. I mean, I can't remember where Gav ended up, but probably like he probably ended up at Batley or Bramley or Dewsbury or somewhere. Um, and you know Marvin Golden and and people like that who were at the time were, were were supposed to be like the the generation to come through. Now half of them made it and half of them didn't, you know. And and, uh, and actually, um, uh, Gareth Rayner was in that crop as well, and he ended up with us and obviously did great things with us. But um, you know, th th there's a lot of the, those players that that would probably have ended up, you know, signing for a signing for a Super League team anyway. But they were all happy to kind of play second fiddle in, in Leeds reserves, be, to, waiting to get their chance to come up and play with their mates. And that's important. That's really, really important. A few of them did fan out and a few of them did find a little bit of success. Rob Roberts was one as well, uh, who ended up playing for us. But um, they ended up finding success at other places. But the ones that stayed at Leeds formed that nucleus of that team that in the mid-90s were terrible. And, and Leeds, uh, you know, let's not forget, finished bottom two one year. Or bottom three one year, I think it was. Um but within three or four years, they were right up there. And it was based on a nucleus of local players with a smattering of great Aussie talent or great Kiwi talent that they brought over to supplement it. So, you know, that's something we should be aiming for. Um, and, and I think we'll get there. You know, you've, you've got some great young young prospects coming through and we're, we're throwing money at that. At that. And, and, you know, the fact that we've got this bloke from Warrington coming through as a... As a um, as a head of youth, and we've got Shenton, who, who will be a real, um, a real plus point for the, for those young kids coming through as well. And you've got someone like Gareth Ellis at the club, who everyone looks up to. I think it's it, it's an exciting time, um, and I think that, that there's a real opportunity for us to do some great things with youth. Absolutely, that the, the key thing there is the names you just mentioned: Pete Radin, Michael Shenton, Gareth Ellis. That's the next level in your coaching, isn't it? And they're people. You know, they're names that people respect and Shenton, by all accounts, has had a really positive impact on Hull FC. If you speak to anyone, yeah. you know, they can't, 
sing his praises enough. So that that's pleasing. And, and if you if you can't get motivated by listening to Gareth Ellis, then you're in the wrong pro- profession, aren't you? And he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can listen to that bloke yeah, exactly. talk with the league all day. <laughs> so yeah. no, you're absolutely right. He's um, you know, if if uh, Gareth Ellis told you to jump, you'd ask how high, wouldn't you? Exactly. He's, uh, yeah. yeah, he's been there and he's done it. Yeah, commands respect. You, you can't not but respect the bloke. Uh, yeah, some really positive stuff coming through with the youth. Um, I just hope that in five years' time it, it comes to fruition and obviously benefits the first team. I, I'm confident in saying that it will because you look at, again, the four players we've highlighted who are starring right now and, and those players are 21, 22, or in Brad Fashy's case, 26. So they're still young, they've got time on the side and they can you know, they can create a, a career at LFC and, and, and be successful. And let's hope that you know that happens, we get more, we complement it and we obviously get our recruitment right, which is the key thing. Um Disruption. We've got, a lot of, we, we've, we've got a lot of decisions to make at the end of this year as well. Let's not forget. Yeah, we have. Yeah, you know? yeah, we all know that, don't um, we? Yeah, and, and, and you know, you know, Gale's on a one-year contract. Reynolds has got an option, um, but but ostensibly he could be out of contract in the end of this yeah. year. Manu Mao's out of contract. Danny Hound's out of contract. We've we've got some decisions to make yeah, at so. the end of this year. And the, the more our youth shines, the easier those decisions are to make. Absolutely, and this might be unpopular, but you look at Mitalai Vujicapani, he's out of contract as well. I'd rather have Connor win, I'd rather have Cam Scott. Yeah. That's the direction I want Hull FC to go in. And, and, and don't get me wrong, Vujicapani's come in and he's a very good player. I thought the last 15 minutes, even when he came on against Warrington, a couple of really good defensive players, exactly, yeah, safe. But I want to be going down that youth direction and pushing these players through. I don't want to see... You know your Cam Scotts and your Connor wins. You know their minutes limited because of you know a player like that. Um, that's not disrespect to him. That's just the way I want to see Leicester go forward. I, I agree. I agree. But let me counter a little bit with the the reason I don't want to see their their minutes stymied is because we've signed an Aussie and we think that because we're paying him big money we have to play it. That's what gets me. No, yeah, I get uh, it. I get it. And that's obviously the Josh Reynolds argument sure now, isn't it? Exactly, and, and that's what we've got to be careful of. True, but, but then yeah, if but I'm Josh Reynolds right yeah. now, I'm thinking, right, I'm on big money. Luke Gale's now suspended. I've got to turn up and I've got to deliver and I've got to justify that so I can look at the bloke next to me in that line and look him in the eye and not be embarrassed. <laughs> Surely there's a bit of personal pride there. The other thing with, with Reynolds you've got to look at is this is probably his last contract. He's not going to come back over here and pick up a team mm. in Australia. He's I going to retire, think he? Super League team. Another team would be in for him. This is either his last season or his next to last season, and that he's going to make his mind up what he wants to be remembered for. Absolutely, absolutely. And he, you know, he talks about buying into everything with the club, which I think he has actually done. And like you say, his effort and his yeah, skills, no, his enthusiasm at the issues, are there? There's no lack of effort. There's no lack of enthusiasm. It's it's all about it's all about his um, his um, his decision making on the fit, on the pitch with the ball in his hand. It's not not about his enthusiasm or anything else. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, disruption then. Um, this point is sort of like uh, a pissing contest. And me and you don't like pissing contests, but Hull FC can't get any continuity into the side this year. And it's it's a reason why we get those Mr. Hard performances, why we get feast and famine, why we get inconsistencies. It's an absolute nightmare. You think we turned a corner, you, you get a couple of results, then we lose three players. You get told back, what happens? We lose three more. And look at this this weekend, and and you know we've lost Andre Savelio to a season-ending ACL injury, which is which is such a shame. That, that bloke just can't buy any yeah, luck, can he's he? Been great this year. He has. Yeah. His form's yeah. been really good. Yeah, and obviously best wishes. I saw his Instagram post actually. It was quite emotional. Just saying how you know how gutted he is, and the fact he won't be able to line up with his mates and play rugby league every week, and you know, 
and turn out for him. And it's going to be tough, obviously, watching them do that while he's on the sideline. And it is, it's an horrible injury in ACL. And we seem to get a lot, don't we, in the sport at the moment. Uh, I don't know, if, obviously, I don't know the sports science and what goes beyond that. But, yeah, I think it's a worry because, like I say, we do see a lot of them. Uh, yeah, tough one, Matt. Obviously, second season injury we've had, season-ending injury we've had after Joe Cater did his Achilles again. So, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Uh, but then you look at Luke Gale, you get him back in the side, you thought, you know, he had probably his best game in a whole FC shirt against Warrington. Then gets himself a two-game ban, you know, for something which I think is an absolute farce. It's, it's just been done for footwork. And, yeah, he catches him with the leg, but if that's two games, then where the hell are we going? It's a penalty, but the referee didn't blow it as a penalty. Um, <laughs> which makes you laugh, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, which makes you laugh. It's a definitely a penalty, but the referee didn't blow it. It's definitely one that you'd probably be put on report for, but he wasn't put on report for it, I don't think, was he? Um, Not to me, I just know, play on, wasn't it? Yeah, just play on. Which, you know, it's... It's look. It's not a good look. He, he does. He does tend to use that hip throw technique for tackling. Um, you know when he, he kind of uses the the opposite the, the opposition player's um, speed against him and kind of throws him with his own body weight and and you know and all that kind of stuff. But he, he just got the technique wrong. You know he got wrong. Like you said, he got wrong footed, um, and he just basically threw his leg out. Um, because he was off balance, I think, and, and it's, it's made it looks worse than it actually is. Um, but at the end of the day, that's that's you know yet again we pay the price for for a, a little bit of momentary I don't know madness or, or whatever. We, we will pay for it with fash. Uh, if we go on to the, the subject of fash, I think his defence is going to be he put his fingers in my mouth and I didn't bite down. I'm not a cannibal. Um, That'll do, won't it? <laughs> Fash the Nash, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's there's there's precedent for it over here. Um, Kevin Proctor and and um, and Sean Johnson, um, you know, Kiwi teammates. But when Sean Johnson was at uh, at the Sharks last year, he put his fingers in Proctor's mouth and then complained he'd been bitten. Um, Proctor went absolutely crazy at the referee and crazy at Johnson. He was in tears, saying, "I didn't bite you. I didn't bite you. You know, you, you put your fingers in my mouth and." You know, he was he was basically holding onto Proctor's jaw, and when he pulled down, um, Proctor kind of pulled away, and that was the teeth imprints on on Johnson's fingers. And Johnson went and showed his, his fingers to the ref. The ref pulled the touch judge aside exactly the same way that they did against um, against Holland Rovers. They pulled the touch judge aside and said, "Can you see anything?" Touch judge said, "Yeah, I can see. I can see." Uh, think you know back in T two sprints, and and um, Proctor was sent off. Never mind going on report. Proctor got sent off for that, um, and then got found not guilty at a tribunal. So yeah, who knows? I think it's going to be a lottery to, to watch today, isn't it? A lottery today mm. to, to find out um, whether he gets done or not. I mean, if he does get done and it gets proven, you're looking at five six weeks. I think. Yeah, great in it. So you just got to hope the club fight it, and they've got the you know the evidence in the case to to do that. Um, I really hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be frustrating, as I say, with Oscar Velio, with Oscar Gale, then to lose Brad Fash, and obviously Knox for Griffin and Adam Swift as well. It's yeah, it's tough, and it's, it's it's just annoying. Like you say, you get players back, you get players performing again, or starting to turn a corner, and then they either get suspended or bloody injured again. And the disruption yeah. point, I think, is 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 a big one this year. We've seen it right across oh. the board. Have we named? Have we named uh, an unchanged team two games running all season? No, a, we haven't. A twenty-one man squad, yes. A seventeen man squad, no. Yeah. 
So yeah, there you, there you go. Yeah, exactly. And I know obviously every team has injuries. You've just seen uh, St. Helens have just lost uh, Lewis Dodd for the season as well with an Achilles injury. So it happens across the board, don't get me wrong, but I'd, I'd, I'd wager that Hull FC have had you know more than most with the disruption this year. It's just it's nuts. I just can't seem to get any luck in that department. Um, and it, and it is an excuse to an extent because like you say, disruption, you can't get any continuity, you can't build on combinations or anything like that. But it's it's it frustrating, it really is. Uh, but yeah. what it doesn't excuse is obviously having your backs turned on attack penalty. It doesn't excuse uh, throwing passes into yeah. touch every five minutes, but it does excuse some things. Um, I just hope that we can get some continuity into our selections and hopefully the results will turn more consistently. Uh, but like, like we say though, nine games in, we've won five. If we keep that method up, we'll have 15 wins from 27 games. That'll put us in the top six comfortably. So we're on the, we're on the right track. We're definitely on the right track. Yep. Um, still content, yep. I say, still satisfied with what we've seen. Just so hopefully we can kick on and, and stick to our principles and stick to what we know works for us. And obviously our key players will keep on producing the goods for us. Um, elsewhere in Super League, then obviously double at a weekend. Um, I can't be bothered to read out all 12 results if I've been honest, we probably already yeah. know them but... let's, let's, let, let, let's cut it down at one point, Leeds were bottom <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> just, let's just talk about that if Rutherford have done the job properly Leeds would be bottom that, that, let's just leave it at that yeah, at one stage on the live ladder when Toulouse were beating Rovers, Leeds were stone bottom and that's absolutely. all we need to know absolutely. <laughs> interesting that Cass won both games though, as did obviously yeah. St Helens, yeah. Rovers won both games Catalans won both games so, yeah, yeah it's, the table is shaping up a little bit. I think you've got a top three that are slightly, well, in St. Helens' case, they're miles better, but even the other two, Wigan and yeah. Cats, I think uh, there's a little bit of a gap there and then there's like a chasing pack and then there's Leeds and Toulouse at the bottom. <laughs> oh, which makes the, I think it's this week that they play each other. It is, the, yeah, relegation yeah. four point. Four point a relegation playoff, yeah. I reckon that's, that's why uh, Gary spat his dummy out with Luke Gale, you know, and thought, oh yeah, I'm going to make an example out of you. you. You wanted to leave my club, I don't like that. We're, we're bottom, I'm throwing my toys out the pram, I don't like it. Someone did mention that to me on Twitter, a bloke called Justin. Uh, I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'll credit him for it. Um, but do you know what? I agree. And I, I usually don't go down that pessimistic you know, uh, route, but yeah. it won't surprise me. I won't bet against it. Well, hasn't Etherington come out and said that the new Leeds coach will be announced this week? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> now, there's been some interesting movement here because Anthony Seabold's looking for a job. You know, because he was, he was at Saint, uh, at South Surrey, and then ended up at um, Brisbane, where Brisbane tore up his contract. He had some issues. There were there were rumours that there were a mental health issue, and there was family problems, and, and all sorts of stuff going on in, in Seabold's private life. And they tore up his contract and got rid of him after half a season, or season and a half. And, and at the time, Broncos were abject as well. Now he's an ex Rovers captain. He played for Rovers in the 90s. Now, there is a room going around, around the NRL, that Seabold is, is being lined up to take over from Tony Smith at Rovers and Tony Smith's going to Leeds. Interesting. Now, that, that, is, that is a huge room. Now, apparently, Seabold was in the hole last week. Now, apparently, he's been working for the English RL, uh, sorry, the English Rugby Union, and uh, and was visiting people that he knew and friends and stuff from when he played for Rovers and all the rest of it. But there's no smoke without fire, and that's uh, that's an interesting little uh, little tidbit that we that might come to fruition that one. Um, but you know, other than that, Leeds options. I saw someone mention Cartwright. Um, 
he's only been a first grade coach for a little while and wasn't very good at it at the Titans. He's now assistant manager somewhere. Um, there's not much else out there. And I think they were hoping that Michael Maguire might get sacked so they could steal Michael Maguire back over. But after what the, the Tigers did to the Eels at the weekend, which we'll get on to, I think Michael Maguire's bought himself at least until the end of the season. Let's yeah, so at least um, stick with Jamie Jones, Bull Cannon. Let's hope they're a basket case for a few more months yet because it's nothing short of hilarious. Mate, best, best case scenario for a whole fan is that they take Tony Smith. Because Absolutely. it'll make Rovers worse, it'll make Rovers worse and it won't make Leeds any better. Yeah, that'll do us. <laughs> it's, 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 the thing is for Tony Swift, though, it'd be another and Branch Real. It's a point I made in latest up the cream, actually. I don't want to give too much of the bag away, but, you know, Ian Watson's mm-hmm. coming towards his field. He made 16 changes in playing yeah. personnel. You know, Tony Smith's probably, well, he has done, he's done more than that at Rovers. Complete and Branch turning them, to, turning them from a team that finished, you know, bottom after Toronto pulled out to a team that made the playoffs last year. And he, yep. if he went to Leeds, he'd have to do that again. It'd be that sort of, uh, you know, play wins and outs. It'd be that sort of ratio. 100%. And, he, and he's done exactly what his brother used to do because Brian Smith did that with us. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. You know, the, 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 for me, the best, the best coach that Leeds could sign would be Danny Ward because he's local and he's passionate and he's a good coach. But I don't think they'll go for him because I don't think he's a big enough name. Yeah. And that's a shame. Yeah, 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 it's a shame. Um, yeah, uh, let's just hope that, like I say, they continue to be rubbish because it's it's funny as hell. Um, it's great. It's it's comedy. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame that Toulouse didn't pick up another win. Interesting, they got six thousand people though uh, mm. for their own game, so their crowds are going up as the weather gets warmer. Obviously, bigger crowds than what Salford get, pretty much on par with what Huddersfield got. That included the best part of two thousand St Helens fans as well. Hull's attendance was a bit disappointing. Fair sub 10k crowd we've had. Uh, I think that goes hand in hand with three defeats, to be honest. Um, 9,700, I think it was. So, yeah, a bit disappointing, but we'll see what we get on Sunday after a, you know, after a win and back on the arse, if you, if you like. Uh, National Rugby League, then, NRL over in Australia. One thing I will say before you get going is how much better were the quality of the NRL games just spread out across the bank holiday? You got standalone Monday fixture, you know, two on the Sunday, two on the Saturday, two on the Friday, and they just flawed. Yep. And the quality of the games I the thought was outstanding. Yeah. Whereas we have to go, yeah, yeah backing up, uh, which I think is absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> and you try and explain it. You try and explain that weekend to, to uh, an NRL supporter. Oh, you, what, I thought, what do you mean you stayed up to, to watch Hall? I thought they played on Friday. Yeah, exactly. they played Friday and Monday. So, what? Exactly. The point there yeah. is, have your games on Good Friday, you've got an Easter Saturday one, an Easter Sunday, an Easter Monday. Promote the hell out of it. Get them all televised. There's your weekend. Get your TV audiences in. Get your new fans. Get people engaged with Rugby League. Voila. But now we have to go with... We have to yeah. go with a round and a round, don't we? With nothing on the Saturday and the Sunday. I think it's... A massive missed opportunity. I've thought that for a lot of years as well. I think it's just daft, and the players don't like it. So why are we continuing to do it? Why not? Why don't they have more saying what goes on? They're the ones that are putting the bodies on the line, you know, week in week out. I actually, um, I actually did something I never thought I would do, and I liked a tweet of Ryan Hall's. It was bang <laughs> on. Yeah, I saw that. No, it was yeah. bang on. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, saying that after two wins, said... so there's no sour grapes. Yeah, exactly. You know, he just he basically said, you know, you, you you talk about you talk about player uh, welfare. Well, can we can we get back to one game at the at the East weekend then? Please? Absolutely. And I think that's one hundred percent right. No, no one head, no one head. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, then let's go through the NRL. Um, so first game on Thursday, the Raiders and the Cowboys. Um, wow. Um, Nanai and Holmes were the difference, really. Uh, Cowboys were, were very good, but again, the Raiders gave up another double-digit lead. They're, they're the worst defenders for that in, in the NRL for the last five years, I think. Um, they you know they were at 1.12-4 up and ended up losing 18-12. Um, Raiders look lost. 
at the moment. There, there's no direction, and a lot of it is because the halfback there that they bought from um, from the Titans uh, got injured in the first preseason friendly, and they haven't really got a halfback. Playing a kid at halfback, um, they just don't look look great. And the teams have come out for this week, and um, looks like they've they've um, they've dropped Nickel Klockstadt. Um, he's going to be on the bench. They're going to put. Um, Rappener at fullback, and they're bringing Xavier Savage in on the wing, which I, I assume that they're going to swap through the game. Um, I think Savage will probably attack from fullback, but defend on the wing, and Rappener will probably attack on the wing and defend at fullback, um, which is you know it's pretty high risk, but that's the, that's the way that they look like they're going to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I think the Raiders have got uh, a lot of improvement, and uh, the Cowboys stole a result which they didn't really deserve to get um, Bunnies and Bulldogs Bunnies were very very good Damien Cook-Hattrick now that's what a quality hooker does he was absolutely lightning around the ruck scored a hat-trick in every single try under the posts now often you can say that is it um, Taff was very good at fullback as well deputising for uh, Latrell Mitchell um, Bulldogs were terrible um, and scored two late tries, which made the the result look a little bit more, a little bit more uh, respectable. But thirty six sixteen, they were well beaten. And then it's come out this week. There's the COVID has gone through the Bulldogs camp like you wouldn't believe, and they're asking for special dispensation for the NRL to bring four players that they haven't named in their twenty one man squad into the team for tomorrow night or Friday night. I think the game is. Um, they're they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel as regards their squad because the COVID's just gone through it. Uh, Panthers and Broncos Broncos were awful I didn't see the last half hour of this because I was watching all the Rovers um, but you know Broncos scored first and mm. at one point there they were looking pretty good and then the Panthers just went through the gears um, and by the time it was half time um, they were already ahead and looking bloody good and second half they just put the foot on the accelerator and ran away with it um, yeah, nothing more to be said. They're a great organisation. Although I think that first half that the Broncos put together shows two things. shows a bit of hope for the Broncos. It also shows that Panthers can kind of be beaten at their own game. And the Panthers come up against a decent team that can maintain that kind of form for 80 minutes. They're not unbeatable. Third point, third point there. I think there's a lot of more gears to go through. I don't think Penrith are even in the straps yeah. yet, which is frightening. No, no they're not. They're not at all, um, and if they play like they played in that first half against the, uh, you know, against the Storm or against the Buddies at the moment, um, or even the Sharks or, or, or the Eels, even um, they'll they'll be given a much sterner test, I think. Uh, Manly twenty six eight uh, eighteen winners over uh, the Titans. Four tries all this game. The goal kicker was the difference, really. Tigers were uh, Titans were brave. Um, it was a brave comeback. At one point, they were twenty four four down. It just wasn't enough. They kind of ran out of steam at the end. Manly just did enough, basically. It was one of those games. Storm and the Sharks, 34-18 to the Storm. Best game of the year so far, I thought. Um, that's what I wrote down. But then I haven't seen the Eels-Tigers game, which came two games <laughs> after that. Um, the Storm were, were, were amazing. They, they'd skip out to an early lead, and the Sharks would peg them back. And then they'd skip out to another lead, and the Sharks would peg them back. And the Sharks never went away. Um, Storm's gone late try. Um, which made it look a lot worse than it actually was 34-18. Sharks were very good. And Sharks are top four this year. Um, the difference that Fitzgibbon has made to them as a coach is they've just got steel that they didn't have before. And Nico Hines at halfback is, is proving to be a very, very shrewd buy. Um, it's a good game. 
Roosters beat the Warriors 22-14. Very poor game. Um, I thought the Warriors were unlucky. Um, Roosters need to improve desperately. Um, from me saying last week that um, I thought Joey Manu was the difference in the sides, and I thought if, if, he, if he hadn't played, they'd have lost the week before. He was terrible this week. So um, his form is fluctuating wildly. Roosters didn't look great. Warriors count themselves unlucky. I think that they really matched them. Uh, Dragons and Knights... Um, wow, but what can you say? Um, it was it was pretty nasty game, this one. There was a bit of bad blood between Lomax and Clemmer at the end of it. Um, at one point when the Dragons scored, Lomax jumped all over um, the back of one of the Knights players and, and, uh, and celebrated as if he was the reason that they'd scored. And it left a bit of a nasty taste in the mouth. Clemmer pulled him aside and I think threatened to tear his arms off and beat him to death with them. I think it was his exact words, which is pretty impressive. Um Going into this game, all the talk was about Quint, uh, uh, Ponga. Um, looked like his um, his uh, negotiations with the Knights had broken down. It looked like he was on the open market um, after the Knights allegedly withdrew the five year offer, three year offer. Turns out it was a bit of a smokescreen, and then he's come out today and signed a five year deal with them. So he's going to be a Knights player until at least twenty was that twenty twenty seven. So um, yeah, it, he's. He's got some improvement to do, um, but he's the best player in a in an average side. There. And then, what can I say? Um, Eels and ti- Tigers, uh, Easter Monday, bloody hell! Um, I, I'm, I'm a member of a tipping competition over here, and it's all done by app. And when you tip, you can see who's tipped what, you know, but only in percentages. Like for example, the Storm Sharks game uh, was 65% Storm, 35% Sharks. Roosters Warriors was about 50-50 Panthers Broncos was probably 80% 20% it was 99% of people went for the Eels over the Tigers and the Tigers beat them 21-20 what a game Jackson Hastings the absolute difference between the teams and obviously with everything that's been going on with uh, Luke Brooks and being out of form and, and people saying he's the reason that they're losing games and all the rest of it Michael Maguire made the coaching um, the coaching decision of his life by dropping Brooks back to six and giving Hastings the keys to the car and saying, you drive. And boy, did he. And that extra room that, that Brooks got to be a running 5'8 rather than a, a, a halfback too close to the line, just told. Um, and they were very, very, very good. Um, Penasini was very good for the Eels. Um, but again, the Eels were dumb. Um, they allowed themselves to be dragged into what the Tigers were trying to do. They allowed themselves to be dragged into a um, an arm wrestle, and they looked very much like we did at Rovers. They were throwing miracle passes and Harbour Bridge passes over the top, and they were trying to pull off ridiculous moves rather than going through the gears and and and, and being composed. And the Tigers just just did them. It was a field goal on the bell um, for Jackson Hastings that, that actually got it. And then when he was being interviewed by Fox Sports after the game, and they said, you know, well done and everything, he grabbed hold of Luke Brooks, grabbed him in front of the cameras and said, this is your man of the match. And, and what awareness from a player like Jackson Hastings to realise that his halfback partner's been under pressure and been, you know, lambasted in the press and been blamed by the fans and everything and to acknowledge that he had a really, really good game. And then to see the footage of Luke Brooks after he'd been interviewed, walking into the sheds and getting a standing ovation from the rest of his team. Wow. 
that'll go a long way towards plugging a lot of gaps for the Tigers. And I'm not saying they're going to win every game from here on in, but I reckon they've turned the corner a little bit after that because that was an enormous result for them in the context of their season and in their coach's career. Huge result. Good on them. Like you say, mental to have a 99% swing. Interesting that the cream tipping league, though, we had 100, we had 100 a couple of times. Uh, St. Ellen's, when Salos went and beat St. Ellen's, obviously that was 100%. Um, there was another one as well, uh, probably another Salos fixture. Again, that was 100 and, and 0. Um, so, yeah, it shows it can be done, can't it? Obviously, a result that's unexpected. Keeps the yeah, competition 75,000 people in my tipping comment. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a difference there, there's 103. A bit different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it says a lot about the West Tigers right now. But yeah, I thought there were some cracking games. I really enjoyed the uh, Storm versus the Sharks. That was a you know, belting game. Yeah, rugby league. And I say the para was batshit crazy at times, to be honest. Um, like I say, a lot of parallels with Full SC there. And obviously, that's the challenge again going forward. Now we've got the two French teams, Catalans and Toulouse, both at home. Weekend fixtures as well. Uh, I know it's Sunday night's a bit of a pain in the ass for those who have families, but. You know, back at reasonable time for Toulouse on, I think it's Saturday the 30th. So hopefully we can get two decent crowds. I know they're doing a, a junior thing, I think it's for the Toulouse one, kids for a quid. So hopefully that can boost it up and nice. the community, yeah, community nice. clubs can get behind that. Um, and also it goes hand in hand that we need, we need some performances, don't we? I think yeah. we're going to get that. It's going to be tough against Catalans. It's going to be really tough because they're a hell of a side. You know, they won 7 out of 9 this year. And obviously they're they're very much what we're trying to be right now. They they are very composed. They do play the percentages. They get you into a ground. They put pressure on you, and and you know they, they test your mental resilience definitely by turning you over yeah. all the time. And that's what we've got to match. Uh, it's going to be tough with the disruption that we've got, and obviously the players that are going to come come out, you know, through suspension and through injury. But yeah. you know, sure cliche in it. Those who come in have got to step up and they've got to deliver. They're a well coached team, aren't they? Um, Catalans, he's really got them firing as, as McNamara. Yes, yeah, They're, yeah, and it's good to see because it's you know French are obviously side of the game. It's you can definitely see that the French games are uh, flourishing over in the south of France. Uh, interesting that they beat Salford on Monday and Mafiel Laguerre, the centre, got two tries. He looked very good again. He's a hell of a young player, him, you know. Uh, yes, yeah, he is. Yeah, has obviously come back to the club after a little spell in rugby union. He's been brilliant, you know. He, some really good French players in that team, which is good to see. Arthur Mark, obviously a talent that everyone knows now. Uh, yeah, they've got some, you know, got some dangers, haven't they? Even with Sam Tompkins out at the minute, so yeah, they're going to be they're going to be tough, tough, tough side to crack. Uh, but I suppose if we get the performance, if we get the effort levels, the energy levels, then we can't really grumble too much what happens because all that going to be a side this year that beat top teams week in week out. But it's at home, you know, one last three games at home now, and, and home for home form is something that we did identify as a. As an area of much needed improvement. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We we've got a bit of hope, haven't we? Um, yeah. You know, we're one of them teams that you know we, we we I think we proved away at Leeds and away at Wigan that that on our day we can be dangerous. There's some freaking um, fighting us, mate. When when we're at it, there really is. If we yeah, get that, yeah, there is. if we get that same level of fight that we saw at Wigan, that same resilience, and again the same quality that we saw at Leeds, and you know just simplifying our game a little bit and hitting them where it hurts at the right times, then. And who knows, you know, I think there's there's some definitely some it's, capability within the it's, it, it's the ultimate dichotomy, isn't it? How do you get passion and fight but married with calmness and with you, you know you know what I mean? You need to you need to be brutal but calm. Mm. You need to be passionate but 
but focused. Yeah. And, and that's what we need to be. And that's what your great teams are. It's what your Saints are. It's what your Panthers are. Yeah. You know, they have that level of emotion bubbling under the surface, but when they need to be, they need to be ice cold and they need to execute perfectly. And that's what we need to get to because at the moment we have one or the other. Yeah, we either execute perf- perfectly and we look off and boring or we're running around like headless chickens and not executing at all. And that's the issue. Absolutely. Composure, temperament, either way, exactly. And if we get that, maybe we'll be dancing with the fairies again. Yeah. And if not, exactly. <laughs> the depths of despair. But I think, as I, as I say, it's about the middle ground this year. And, and hopefully we'll get that. So far, we have done pretty satisfied, pretty content with what we've seen. It's just about, you know, keeping at it, kicking on, sticking to the processes. And and hopefully, you know, we'll get there. It's, you know, giving time and giving patience and giving some perseverance. But yeah, as always, mate, thanks for your time and, and come on, you all. Absolutely.